You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. This is the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm excited to have you with me today on the podcast. Here on the Christian Single Moms Podcast, we focus on discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I firmly believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, of power, and of purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. And I'm just so happy to be along on that journey with you. Today on the podcast, we are talking about dating, online dating to be specific. And I know some of you might be thinking, Michelle, it is Christmas week. Why are you talking about dating? And let's be honest, some of us, like myself, are going to be spending Christmas Day alone. And this season is full of triggers of loneliness, and it's just something that keeps us from enjoying Christmas sometimes the way that we want to. This is a season that's full of joy and family and connection for a lot of people. And when you are sitting there in your singleness, staring at the fact that you're by yourself, sometimes you just can't embrace it. And for me, I find that getting that elephant out of the room, just talking about it and moving on actually can help me to be present and to enjoy what it is that any season is about, but certainly this Christmas season. So we're going to do that today. My guest today is Margot Starbuck, and Margot wrote a book called The Grown Woman's Guide to Online Dating, Lessons Learned While Swiping Right, Snapping Selfies, and Analyzing Emojis. I love Margot's perspective on dating. Number one, she's hilarious. She tells the best stories and shares a little bit of her own struggle with online dating, especially as an adult woman. And I know that I always appreciate hearing from people who are in the same struggle as I am because it just makes me feel so much more normal. Margot's approach to dating and online dating is one that promotes balance. It's one that looks at dating and having relationships as just one part of a very full life, but that can actually also be part of a healing process and God revealing his love to us through other people. Now, I know some of you might be saying, but my online dating experiences have not been so great. And I do have stories like that too. I tell some of them in this episode. But on the flip side of it, God has used some of these interactions to show me that I don't have to be perfect to receive care and kindness from somebody else. And in some of my online dating experiences, I have met people that have been through similar circumstances or have healing and encouragement to offer me or that I've been able to offer some grace and encouragement to as well. And while, yes, I have been ghosted and there's a fair amount of those kinds of things that I've had to deal with, for the most part, it's been very healing to see my own brokenness and see other people's brokenness and realize that even if you're not a fit for this person, you can learn something through that and that we're really not all that different. And when I've looked at dating in this way, it's taken so much of the pressure off of it for me and turned it into something that I really just enjoy. I enjoy getting to meet people, getting to learn about people and learning about myself in the process. And that's something that Margot is going to talk about with us today. You can't talk about dating 
without also recognizing loneliness. And I have a quiz over at agapemoms.com forward slash quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? Loneliness is something that we all experience in different ways and to different degrees. And when you understand what goes into your experience with loneliness, it makes it much easier to start pulling away those things that might actually be holding you back so that you can enjoy dating experiences and healthy relationships. Knowing my loneliness type as well has been really helpful for me to inform my dating process so that I'm actually choosing people who are a match for me rather than choosing out of my loneliness and my brokenness. And that quiz is completely free. So if you'd like to get started there again, that's www.agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. As we get started today, I'd like to give you some background on Margot Starbuck. She is an award-winning author of more than 20 books and a New York Times bestselling collaborator. She also serves as an editor, word coach, and ghost writer, helping athletes, overcomers, and entertainers tell their amazing stories. She's had the privilege of working on over a hundred major publishing projects, and she enjoys speaking to audiences across the country about receiving God's big love for us and sharing it with others. Margot is the mama of three young adult humans by birth and adoption, and she lives in Durham, North Carolina. She is passionate about racial justice and believes there's real traction for understanding when moms listen to other moms. I have to say, when it comes to dating, I have learned not to take myself too terribly seriously, but also to inject a little bit of humor into the situation. And that is something that Margot is incredible at. So with that, let's dive into this conversation with Margot Starbuck. Margot, I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast today, having this conversation with me. I have done a little bit of online dating myself, and while I do have, I feel like, some best practices, I know I have a whole lot to learn. So I'm so excited for you to share some of your wisdom here with us. I know this is something that I felt, I mean, I met my ex-husband when I was 17, so I didn't date a whole lot, and I kind of feel like I'm 17 now, like re-entering <laughs> the dating field. So I would like to know, though, if you would start off a little bit about your story and how it is that you got to this point now where you are encouraging women when it comes to online dating. Yeah. Um, the first few years after my divorce, I wasn't that interested in dating. And year four hit, and it was time. Um, and I'll say that most of my girlfriends were married. There wasn't really anyone to show me the ropes about online dating. Right. And because I live in a fabulous neighborhood, um, these young women, 30-ish, they knew what to do. So they helped me along. But you know what? They weren't moms. They weren't middle-aged-ish. And I realized that if I needed a guide, a lot of other women probably did too. And mm -hmm. in the Christian market, I just couldn't find one. So I was just yeah. thinking about a lot of the women in a similar boat to myself. Mm -hmm, which would be me. <laughs> and I think that's just it. You know, having this from a Christian perspective, there's a lot of unchristian things that are happening on dating apps, but we also might, I found like maybe have some unchristian eyes with the way that we're approaching these things. And we might be looking for things in these experiences that maybe are not the way we should be approaching these subjects and these people really. 
And so I, I know for myself, I've kind of felt like maybe that's some of the places where I haven't had the greatest experience or the greatest success. I don't know if that's the word to use, but you know, that, that sort of thing, because I think sometimes I'm like, okay, am I being too superficial or, you know, am I, am I have interviewed another guest and she talked about building a husband, you know, am I trying to build a husband here rather than just take a man as he comes? So I wanted to know if you would tell us, what are you, what do you think are some of the major reasons why women might find that they're being unsuccessful with online dating and also why they might be attracted to guys who actually might not be good for them. Mm, this is one of my favorite things actually. But um, I would say that some women who aren't having success might be engaging half-heartedly. It is just hard work. 10% of daters quit after 30 days and 33% of dater, online daters haven't met up with someone they met online. So it takes work and courage and all the things. Um, this is a little bit of a crazy story, but I had an Uber driver who happened to be a, an expert in relational psychology. And I asked him, why are we attracted to the wrong kind of people? And his answer was life-changing. Here it is. We are attracted to the person who is similar to the parent who did not meet our needs. Mm. So let me see if I can say it one more time. Um, we are attracted to someone who has the qualities of the parent who did not give us the love that we need and justly deserve. So in my case, what that looked like is I was attracted to guys who were charismatic, not emotionally available, marginally interested in getting to know me and at a geographic distance. And I'm like, mm. oh, that feels a lot like my dad. And I know it sounds like psychological mumbo jumbo, mm -hmm. but the way um, my, my friend Len, the Uber driver explained it to me, it's like our deep insides are saying, maybe this time I'll get the love I need and justly deserve, right? So it's mm -hmm. never conscious. When we mm -hmm. find ourselves attracted to the same type of person again and again, it's not, it's this deeper thing. And we're really looking for what it is we most need, those unmet needs. And I'm like, Len, you know, so how do we do it differently? And he got a little smile and he said, you know, the person that you meet who doesn't trigger all of that stuff in you, you may find boring. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, oh, I'm not interested then. <laughs> but I think it's important that when we meet someone who might not, you know, be hitting all of our buttons, but they actually might be a great person and might be a healthy relationship for us. So I really encourage women to stay open to the unexpected and to that person who may not, you know, light your fire the first mm -hmm. time you connect. You just think you're getting a drive to the airport or whatever, and you end up getting like this free therapy. Yeah. Literally, it is only 20 minutes to the airport. And I'm like, <laughs> may I please have your card because you just changed my life. Wow, wow, wow. But I get that. There's a familiarity, I think, that's there a lot of times with that sense that, well, maybe, maybe I'm going to get a do-over in this. And you end up going after that same type. I, I, I could agree. I, I think that that's a similar thing for me. And it really has been for me to take a break away from it, for me to recognize it. I think that's the thing is so often we get in this, these ruts where we look at the guys and go, oh, what's the guys? They're all bad. They're all this. They're all that. And not really turn it back to ourselves and go, well, maybe there's something else though in the way that I'm looking at these profiles or what the way I'm communicating with them in, in chat or whatever that are 
is basically producing the outcome here. (laughs) But what I like about your book as well is you talk about and you encourage readers to get in touch with yourself first. And in the beginning of the book, you say, first decide what is most true about who you are before you ever would go on to create an app or create a profile on an app or anything like that. So I want to know if you will elaborate on that and why being in touch with ourselves matters so much if we want to have a really healthy, fruitful online dating experience. Mm, Definitely. You know, we use this romantic language like finding my better half or you complete me. It's romantic, but emotionally and theologically, that's a little troubling, right? That we are not Mm. complete as Mm. we are. And so like, I want women to hear you're not out there hunting for love to be fulfilled, to be completed. As women who are Christians, we are already beloved. So I want to say that's the foundation. And, you know, I don't say that like a mom says to like a teenage girl with acne, like, oh, honey, God thinks you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something flimsy. It's something robust. What is most true about who you are is that you're beloved. You're already loved. You are worth loving. And because you know what, there absolutely will be bumps and bruises on this journey. Um, You know, when we experience being ghosted, rejected, we can stand on what is most true about who we are, and that is our belovedness. And I think even in the times where we prep ourselves for that, sometimes you know that's going to get rocked anyway. As much as you might walk into this going, I am just this amazing woman, and I'm going to find that guy who just is a great fit for me, the fact of the matter is you still are going through this subjective process of, do our lives really match up? Do we enjoy each other's company? You know, all these kind of things. And especially if you do spend a decent amount of time with someone, it can get to a point where if that doesn't go well, or you get ghosted or something like that, that you internalize that a little bit and kind of start turning on yourself. And I think that if you walk into it always, like I've had to really go into it with the mindset of like, I'm just going to meet a person. Like if I can take all of the stress out of this of like, I'm trying to meet a husband and I can just put it in the sense of, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to boost some social skills today, you know, or I'm going to get to know somebody in my town or, you know, something like that, that it just takes the edge off, you know, <laughs> I love taking the pressure off. And I think if we're honest, a lot of women do read the profiles and we're kind of wondering, like, could this could this be the one for me? Like, could he be marriage material? And I love taking all of the pressure off. I'm just meeting someone. And yeah, good or bad, no matter what happens, I am growing, getting those skills. And it can be a positive experience, even if mm-hmm. he is not the one. Yeah. And so much of this is a journey to learn about yourself. And sometimes you don't even really learn what's unique or different about you until you kind of have that reflected back to you that someone says, oh, well, I've never met somebody who likes da 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 you know, and you realize like, oh, wow, that's a unique thing about me. It doesn't mean that like now all of a sudden this person is like, oh my gosh, you're going to be my husband because you like the fact that I like roller skating. But <laughs> it's just the sense that you realize that you have some unique qualities that become kind of ordinary and everyday to you. And so I find that that's kind of the fun thing almost is digging more of myself up as I'm meeting other people. Mm -hmm. Um, In your book though, you also talk about that there are six practices specifically for online, healthy online dating. 
And you mentioned that their friendship, intuition, Sabbath, love, authenticity, and hope. And what I really enjoyed about these is that they just give balance to the overall perspective that dating balance that we should have as we introduce dating into our lives so that dating doesn't become all consuming. Dating doesn't need to take the place of all of our thoughts. Dating doesn't take the place of our purpose of the relationship we have with our kids or the other things that we're doing. It doesn't mean that it can't complement those things, but it's not the thing that we need to put first and foremost. And I think I know that there are times in my life I've done that. So I want to know if you would share a little bit about how you arrived at these six practices and how they have helped in your experiences. I love that you use the word balance because that's really what it about. Like necessarily the act of online dating is a little bit isolating. We're in a silo, you know, and, and it, it can cause us to be very self-focused, um, which is, which is not who we're made to be. So I noticed that like friendship on that journey is so important. I have these fabulous friends walking with me and they have, some are single, some are married and they have different roles. Like Lisa is gonna be curious to know all the things. And if something like, if I get done wrong, I am gonna tell Susan, cause she will be furious that anybody <laughs> could do that to me. Or if I think somebody might not be a real person, like my friend Lizbeth or Emily, like they're real savvy, they'll figure it out. So I want to say like, yeah, one of these practices is having women who will walk this journey with you. We were made for community. And so we can kind of make that happen even in dating. Um, and you mentioned Sabbath. I am a huge proponent of Sabbath and that can look different ways. For me, I don't look at the dating apps on Sunday until like the evening hours. And boy, it sets me free to be with God, to be with people. It is such a gift. And other times, as I saw myself kind of approaching my 50th birthday, I hadn't been dating that long, but I said, you know, I don't want to slide into home plate, like, um, you know, wondering if I'm, if I'm going to be booed up by the time I'm 50. I just wanted to take it off the table. So for the month before my birthday, you know, no, no dating apps, no dating. And I just felt like I was in a much healthier place to be present to, you know, all that God had for me in the next decade, because I wasn't consumed with those apps. Um, and yeah, there's a few more, but I will say one of them is love and not just romantic love, but even on this journey, we were made to love the men that we meet. We are made to love other women who might be dating. And I want to say, even in a time when I was pretty focused on myself, I just happened to be invited to a ministry event, kind of the launch of this new exciting ministry. And as I found myself kind of getting excited about that and who was doing it, that also felt like just such a good gift that I did not have to be looking inward at myself. And so I'm going to say just caring for other people, other people's needs is just such a healthy way to navigate this so that it doesn't become all about me. Well, and I think we need to reset. So oftentimes we're trying to figure out as Christians, how do we date? But yet so much of the advice that's out there, especially if you're over the age of like 
30 <laughs> is it comes from secular sources about do this, don't do this. Or if you're a woman, you know, you want to make sure that you're never doing this so that he doesn't get too excited or, you know, I don't know. There's just all this stuff that's out there, you know, and people will say, for example, there's, they don't talk about dating in the Bible. And I'm like, but it does say to treat other people how you'd want to be treated. That just goes back to being honest though about our intentions, you know, and, and being straightforward with people and establishing healthy boundaries and, and just letting people know all the while where we're at and that kind of thing, because that's how you'd want to be treated. Like nobody wants to be ghosted. <laughs> and so don't be a ghoster then. And that doesn't mean that that person, like that somebody's not going to turn around and still ghost you, but you can know that you're walking into it with the right frame of mind, that you're treating people well. And I've seen personally where treating someone differently in that way, it's a way to reflect Christ <laughs> to people who may not necessarily have a great relationship with him at that moment or may be seeking even deeper relationship at that moment. And you might not be called to be that person's wife, but you may be called to be light in their life at a certain period of time. I have a girlfriend who went on one date with a guy and she kind of noticed that he was holding on to a lot of bitterness. She was just able to tell him about her journey of forgiveness with her father and boy, what a gift to him. Yeah, he wasn't going to be the one, but that was a way that she cared for him in that process. That's awesome. I think that's the thing too, is if you really don't go into it with the mindset of like, I'm trying to find my husband, but more of like, Lord, what do you want? me to learn about myself? What do you want me to learn about this person? How are you going to be involved in this interaction? It takes the pressure off, but then it's just kind of an exciting thing. I feel like it's like God is, can be in this process with you and it doesn't have to be this like super stringent, you know, set of rules, but it's just this like really organic way of relating to people and just exploring that in a different way. I want to talk though a little bit about nuts and bolts when it comes to the actual process. Actually, so we've, you know, kind of had talked a little bit about some things for getting our mind right and how we might walk into this, but specifically, I want to know if you'll talk a little bit about maybe some specific apps and some benefits maybe you've found to different platforms over others. Definitely. And I'm going to say that it does depend on age, season of life, your area of the country, what it is that you're after. So maybe I'll tell you a few that I liked and why. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite has been Match.com. And for me, just there are a lot of people on it. I like having a lot of possibilities to browse <laughs> through. And I actually adore their search function. I think it's the most robust search function that lets me search by age, by faith, by location, even keyword. It won't do it on your phone app, but on your desktop, you can search by keyword to see. Um, okay, a lot of times I am looking for God and Jesus, you know, it's in the profile yep. narratives. Mm -hmm. So I love that um, uh, that flexibility of match and their the ways that you can look and search and connect with people. I have also liked Bumble, and on Bumble, women get to start the conversation. Mm -hmm. And just as I've discussed it with other women, our suspicion is that maybe to be on Bumble, it's a guy who has to have enough just sense of himself that that's not intimidating or threatening. So mm -hmm. I met some good guys on Bumble. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll say also eHarmony lets you 
rank, not just checking the Christian box, but it actually, on several criteria, lets you say, this is a little bit important to me. This one's actually really important to me. And, and that's the only app that kind of gives you that possibility. And because I said, actually, my faith is really important to me, eHarmony, although there weren't a t as many matches as something like Match.com, mm -hmm. it actually did provide some matches with men who took their faith seriously. Um, so that feels like one of the wins of eHarmony. Again, it's going to be different in different places, different ages, but I like uh, sites that have a lot of possibilities and that allow me to do some of those searches um, to find compatibility. I think it's funny that you mentioned Bumble because I was so anti-Bumble. I did a few others before I ever got to Bumble because I just felt like I don't want to be the one who's having to initiate all that stuff. Like that's, that's just so counter to the way I feel like this is supposed to go. But after having been on match and being inundated with requests and things like that from guys that were absolutely not even in kind of like my cr criteria parameters, I liked having the control of being able to say like, no, 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 <laughs> you know, and not, I just get overwhelmed by like having a full inbox, you know? So, but same thing. I mean, it was like, I was pleasantly surprised with how much I liked being able to have a little bit of control over that. And the types of people that I met were a lot different perhaps because of the way that that platform operates. But mm -hmm. what do you think, what's your opinion when it comes to like paid versus unpaid? Oh, I have lots of opinions. <laughs> um, unpaid means you're going to get anything, everything, lots of crazy things. And I eventually decided, so for research for my book, I did end up trying 16 different sites. Oh, wow. And and so I tried some free ones and it just was not worth being there because maybe a nice way to say it is that when people are paying to use a dating site, they are a little bit more serious, a little bit more invested mm -hmm. than, um, than the free sites. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've been very kind, but, um, but for women who want to have a good experience with online dating, I do suggest that it is worth investing in. That's really good. Um, how about crafting a profile? So what are your tips from our end of it as we do launch into this when it comes to photos and what to write about and that kind of stuff? What do you think are some must do's when it comes to a profile? Yeah. Okay. Um, buckle your seatbelt because I have one big one and this is kind of Margot as dating coach girlfriend, uh, but it's show what makes you uniquely you. What that means is do not say that you love the beach or pumpkin spice lattes or your dog or your friends. That is close to saying nothing just because you haven't shown what makes you different than other women. So, you know, do you skydive? Are you a backup dancer for Beyonce? Do you collect miniature snow globes? All of that is better than liking the beach. Um, and so I'll tell you the way, there's so many different ways to do this, to show what is unique about us. And you know how you said that sometimes on dates, that would be reflected back to you. You know, what it is that makes you uniquely you, men would notice that. I want to say, if women are struggling to notice that about themselves, ask your girlfriends, mm -hmm. because chances are good they can help be that same kind of mirror for you. They know what makes you uniquely you. So lots of ways to communicate this. And the way that I did it was, 
Here is a sampling from the wall of heroes that is in my kitchen. And so Jesus is on there, Harriet Tubman, Oscar Romero, right? It's just kind of a way to, to see a slice of who I am. Or I roller skate on Saturday mornings while listening to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Or I'm very proud of this. I have a permanent piece in the um, Museum of Bad Arts permanent collection. I am very <laughs> proud that I have artwork in the Museum of Bad Art. So it's not that clearly not that what I'm doing is so dazzling or impressive and don't feel that pressure like to be kapow. It is just that those things are uniquely me. So when a man reads my profile, he's not going to be like, Ugh, I read 20 like that today. He's mm -hmm. going to know this person is a little bit different than all the women who love the beach. Um, so for you, I encourage you to think about what are you passionate about? Mention that. What would you march for? Um, what ministry do you volunteer with? Do you mentor a young girl? Um, gosh, even like that crazy thing that happened on a road trip, you're showing them a slice of who you are. Um, and so again, let, we don't do this a lot, but let a girlfriend read your profile because she already does know what makes you uniquely you and she will be helpful. Yeah, that's really good advice. I have found as well that oftentimes we walk into profile, like how can I put together the best version of me that will include the most people. And I almost feel like, no, you need to go to the opposite end where it's like, I want to exclude the people who will not like the fact that I like to do quirky things, you know, like the person who will not want to hang out with me and bump Hamilton really loudly in my car and sing with me. Like I need to put that in there because if you don't like musicals, like we're probably not going to get along, you know? And I feel like we just need to represent ourselves in that way that we would find someone who wants to match in those things with us, not just receive a whole bunch of, of likes and that kind of thing. And then not really have these connections with people because we've been too generic. I like that a lot. That's a good word. My dating experiences have evolved quite a bit as I have continued down the path of my healing journey. And part of that has included time with a therapist. I'd like to take a second to tell you about our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available to you through an app where you can schedule video sessions with a counselor who can help you with unpacking some of the things that just kind of go along with becoming a single mom, whether that's also including things like divorce or betrayal or whatever the case might be. Even for me, it was things from my childhood. And in learning more about myself, I've been able to understand what is a good match for me in my relationships. If you have been thinking about Christian counseling and would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can actually get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. One of the things I also make sure for my rule for me, and this goes in me creating my profiles, but also in when I look at other guys' profiles, mm -hmm. there's so much to be said when you're looking for somebody specifically who is a Christian and is really devoted in their faith. I know that it is so important to me. I will absolutely put it in my profile. It is so, so, so important that Jesus is mentioned somewhere in like, if I only get three questions, like one of them is going to be about my relationship with God and my faith. And I know that for me looking at other men's profiles, that that means 
for a guy who's as equally on fire, he's probably going to do the same thing. So if I know like that he's put in there somewhere, he mentions faith, Jesus, whatever, it's not enough to just check the box that says I'm a Christian because that can mean so many different things. But that if he mentions it, then I know, okay, that's a sign to me that we're kind of on the same wavelength. What are some other ways though, that you think that we should be looking at men's profiles that would give us a better insight to who they really are and how they might be a match for us? I really want to underscore what you just said. I feel like maybe you were reading my mind because I literally say checking the Christian box is not enough. And especially for Christian women, like I want to name that, that for some people checking the Christian box means my grandmother made me go to Sunday school when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so exactly the same logic though, in my mind, I am looking for a man who will mention it in his profile. And sometimes, you know, the the voice that lies says, yeah, who knows, you know, you might be missing someone good, but I feel like I can live with that because um, I do need someone who is going to say, this is one of the most important things about me that can't not be said. And beyond that, um, you know, we come with our lists, these sometimes very long lists of what we're looking for. And um, I really encourage women to hold those so lightly because I believe that our God is a God of surprises. Surprise, a man who was dead isn't dead anymore. But some of the relationships that I've seen and specifically when women have maybe been married before and they meet somebody a tiny bit later in life, Um, some of those best relationships have surprised me. And I say, I would not have chosen him because he doesn't look quite right. But I look at your relationship and I see that he is amazing. And um, my friend actually married a great guy that she met on eHarmony and he does not smile in pictures. That's just his thing. In real life, he smiles. He's actually very funny, but he doesn't smile in pictures not even in their wedding pictures, I never in a zillion years would have, you know, swiped right. So I really want to encourage women to keep that list, like, yes, have standards, but hold it very lightly and be open to the possibility that you might be surprised that the person God has for you comes in packaging other than you would expect, not just appearance-wise, but all sorts of ways. I think that's great. I think that's the difficulty too, though, is deciding that difference between what are my standards and what are my preferences. And if you've come out of a relationship, maybe, I mean, I was married for 14 years, you know, and so you kind of come out with this thought of like, oh, the world is my oyster. And so you start to kind of craft in your mind, like, this is what I want, but this is not like I'm pushing my cart down the aisle at the grocery store. And I'm like, I'll have one of this then I'll have one of that. Like, and I think that's so great though, that just keeping our minds on the fact that God surprises us and he may seek to put someone in our life that's going to grow us in a completely new way that we would have never imagined. And if we hold too tightly to this wish list, I guess, then we we're setting ourselves up to kind of miss out on something really great. That wish list might not be what is best for us, even though we think it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, and how often do we think we know what's best for us and we don't? (laughs) And so when it comes to actually deciding like how we're going to meet this person in, in person and, you know, we're maybe doing a little messaging and you mentioned even the stats are not great about converting from 
that online interaction to in-person interaction, what are some things that you think we need to be aware of there? Hmm. Um, yeah. So if, if the profile makes you say, I'm interested in knowing more and maybe messaging convinces you that you want to talk on the phone that might, you know, lead to meeting in person, but actually I do want to say, I don't mind meeting up with someone after messaging um, and just being interested because you have nothing to lose. Sometimes we put a really big deal on the meetup, um, but it's really, there is, we mentioned this, there is that value in meeting new people. Uh, there is a fabulous book uh, by Henry Cloud called How to Get a Date Worth Keeping. Mm -hmm. And he really, he takes a lot of the drama out of dating. He says, meet five new people every week. Now, this wasn't specifically about online dating. Meet five new people every week. And if you find yourself in the same orbits where you're not meeting five new people every week, then go to a different grocery store, different library, you know, take a different way to work um, because there is so much value, again, in just meeting people. And as far as, you know, kind of deciding who to meet up with, yes, be discerning. But I will say something that surprised me. One of the one of the thirty year old daters in my neighborhood, um, who loves Jesus, was willing to meet up with guys before knowing a whole lot about their faith, and that like totally surprised me. But then I began to see the value in it. Like, yeah, if if, if his faith wasn't important to him, then they didn't move forward. But as I saw her kind of meeting people, learning more about herself, I realized, oh, let's let's take all of the um, the weight out of meeting up in person, and um, you just you're going to get to know a lot more about someone face to face than um, yeah. I know this from bad experience from messaging someone for mm -hmm. way too long. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I just think those meetups always a public place, always your own transportation, always you know, let a friend know where you're going to be. It's pretty safe and it grows us in a lot of ways. I agree with you wholeheartedly that you don't need to spend that much time messaging back and forth to get to the meetup stage. And especially when I've looked at it, I kind of have this regular routine of let's just have coffee. It takes the pressure way off so that you really are just meeting a friend for coffee. You don't need to message somebody like for three weeks before you can just have coffee. Mm -hmm. And it does give you a greater sense right away of who they are, what they're about, how they present themselves, how they carry themselves. And you don't get stuck in this rut. And for me, it's just practical. I'm like, I have three kids. I don't love texting. I don't want to message you like for three weeks only to go out and have coffee and then be like, wow, we're actually not that great of a fit. So, you know, and Henry Cloud, he also wrote um, Boundaries in Dating, and he said the same thing, where it's, it really is once you just get yourself into a rhythm of meeting people, then you realize how many no's really it's going to take, like how many no's it might be. And so it doesn't stress you out anymore. So it's like, yeah, just go meet somebody. It's no big deal, you know, and it just, it really does turn it into something that's fun and mm. an enjoyable social activity mm -hmm. more than like, oh, I'm on the hunt and I got to find my husband. And I think that's what leads us off into feeling really discouraged. Mm -hmm. So ghosting, it's happened to me. Has it happened to you? Um, if I had a nickel for every time, <laughs> I would be a rich woman. Um, and you know, a lot of times it, Okay, sometimes if it's after a message or two, I actually just let it go and I don't think twice about it. But, you know, if it's someone that you've been communicating with and you feel like things are going pretty well, um, it can sting. 
And I think we try to make sense of that in our minds. And so as, as we try to make sense of it, get, assign it some kind of meaning, we have different choices in the way that we can do that. We can jump right to, I did something wrong. Oh my gosh, it was that message. It was that text. There's something wrong with me. Um, so in case it's not obvious, don't, cho don't choose that option. Um, another way you could think about it is like, I'm angry. I'm going to let him know about it right before I block him. Like, I'm going to tell him off. Also not fruitful at all. Um, and again, taking the drama out of it, you could also choose to say, you know, we're, we're just not a match. That's okay. Um, you could also say there could be something going on with him that I don't know about. You know, Maybe my voice sounds like his ex and he got spooked. We just don't know. Um, so I really think it's about paying attention to that voice in your head. And, you know, I thought things were going good, but maybe we're not a match. Moving on now, really, because sticking around, continuing to, um, yeah, to pursue it is not going to go anyplace. That said, I think that ghosting with somebody that you've really been communicating with lacks maturity. Um, and so let's be grown and say goodbye. And yeah, let's just be grown ups about it. Uh, so yeah, I, I, tr I probably haven't, you know, always done it perfectly, but try to practice that because that is how I want people to treat me. I love that you said ghosting shows that there's a lack of maturity because so often we take it as a personal rejection. And very often it just shows like they're not comfortable with handling confrontation or difficult feelings. And that's what relationships are all about. So they're just kind of giving you a picture into the fact that like they wouldn't be able to be probably a great communicator with you. So if you look at it that way and not as a rejection, I kind of think that you just get a picture of like, oh, wow. Okay. That's probably not a good match. Okay. <laughs> You do not need to keep wondering, oh no, what if he was the one? He's not. It's very not. easy to say, to just let it go because he's, he's not. Well, and I will say though, I, the town I live in is not very large. And so I was ghosted by a man and um, I ended up seeing him in a coffee shop a week later and he didn't really acknowledge that I was there. And so I felt actually like I needed to kind of put a, I think a safe boundary for me because I wasn't comfortable with like, if I'm going to see you around, I'm not comfortable with pretending like we didn't message and chat and meet and like all that kind of stuff. So I actually texted him and I just said, Hey, I saw you at the coffee shop. Like, I wasn't really sure what to say. You know, I just wanted to say I had a great time meeting with you. And you know, if I ever see you around or whatever, like, I just hope you say, Hey, and he had said like, Oh, I didn't see you. And whether or not he did or didn't, didn't matter. I just wanted to open that door though, to be like, Hey, that could have been a really weird moment for both of us. It definitely was weird for me, but I'm just letting you know there doesn't need to be any more weirdness. And I think that was for me, it was just the boundary of, I don't want awkwardness and weirdness in my relationships going forward, or even in my, you know, just acquaintanceships and that kind of thing. So I felt actually really proud of myself because it, it it's not a pattern for me in the past. I kind of would have just sucked it up and just said, well, that kind of felt bad. And for me, it was being able to say, it's okay that, that you didn't feel comfortable addressing it. I'm addressing it. And I just hope good things for you and that kind of thing. And so it was, I don't know that I would do that with everybody, but it was just because that had popped up again, that 
and I have actually seen him around town now four times, like since then, no other person I've dated online have I seen that many times out in public. And I think, I don't know, there's something about that, you know, where it's just every time it happens, I'm like, I'm just really glad I did that, you know, Mm. and just, it wasn't standing up for myself in the sense of like, I'm now I'm putting my stake in the ground and nobody treats me like that, you know, but just to extend the kindness of like, Hey, it might be uncomfortable for you to address it, but I'll do it. And, you know, have a nice life. (laughs) I love it. That's grown. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) So I did just mention a little bit about getting discouraged though, and that our mindset really can make a difference as we go through this. And we need to guard ourselves, I think, against getting too, intense about these things because they can lead to us being discouraged and not having fun with this and, and be critical of ourselves. So how do you think that as we go through that process, we can stay on the right side of things and not get brought down by, you know, just the series of, of, of waiting and rejection and all of the things that go into it. Boy, if I had, if I had a product I could bottle and sell for that, because you know what, the journey does have these, these bumps and detours and, and bruises along the way that we might not choose. It really can be hard. And I think you, I think you named that. And, you know, one of the things is those girlfriends who are tracking with you, guess what? They want to rejoice with you when you rejoice and they are also there to weep with you when you weep. And I just want to say, let them. And sometimes I feel like, oh no, you know, these, the, the, my Wednesday morning walking buddies, I'm going to wear them out with all this mess. Um, mm-hmm. They want to be there for you. And I will say, specifically having a girlfriend who's also on the dating journey. Um, so during COVID, uh, she sits on her steps. I sit on a chair six feet away. And as we share as we share our stories, I feel less alone. She feels less alone because, you know, you begin to hear some of the, the themes of the bad, you know, people's bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So boy, do it with a friend, if possible, with a friend who really gets what it's like. And again, use that tool of taking a Sabbath. Um, and along with that, when we take a Sabbath from dating, I think what what I'm doing is saying, God, I trust you with this. I don't always have to be busy doing the right search to find this man. God, I'm putting this in your hands. So Sabbath is a way of trusting God. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that um, online dating, even though it's 2020, isn't the only way that God works. God, you know, as you're doing online dating, you know, you might spill coffee on Starbucks, start up a conversation, or you see somebody new in church, you introduce yourself to them. Um, So even when we're kind of intent on doing online dating, um, I really think we should have that open posture. I really don't know what God's up to. So you know what, God, I'm going to do my due diligence. I'm going to make myself available on these sites. And I'm also going to be open to the possibility that there's a lot of different ways that you can work. It just goes back to that, allowing yourself to be surprised. I love that. (laughs) So good. Yes. Margo, you've given us so much. I think to really consider, but also so much encouragement in this, but I ask every guest at the end of the interview, the same question, which is if you had one last thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I think that because we are mama bears, 
you know, we are intent on making sure that the needs of our cubs are met, right? This is, this is my job. This is what I do. I'm a mom. I take care of them. And I want to say that it is also okay to balance that with taking care of yourself. You know, a lot of moms feel guilty if they go on a date because they should be at home with their kids. And, you know, what I want you to hear is I actually do agree that you making sure that your kids' needs are met actually is the number one thing. But when your kids' needs are met, um, I want you to give yourself the freedom to go ahead and date. So, you know, most of the time you are the human meeting your kids' needs. But guess what? If, you know, if your sister comes over, if a friend comes over to take care of them and your kids are just in a good place, like, please also practice self-care and, um, and allow yourself to date knowing that in addition to you meeting your kids' needs, God meeting your kids' needs, you, you likely also have this community of folks who are caring for your kids. So let them, um, and you do not have to feel guilty about going on a date. That is what I want the moms to hear. That is so good. I appreciate your permission. Thank you. <laughs> I think we need that. <laughs> Uh, Margo, I'd like to know if you'd tell us a little more about your resources and how listeners can connect with you. I would love to. You can find the Grown Woman's Guide to Online Dating at grownwomansguide.com. Something I'm really excited to share with you is a, it's a guide for you to have a personal retreat that's about dating. So take a few hours over the weekend, spend time with the Lord. And you're, what you're doing with this kind of guided retreat is you're laying it all out there for God. Your attractions, your baggage, what you might be bringing to dating, your hopes, all of it. And it's meant to help you kind of prayerfully look at some of what we're bringing to dating and hand that over to God. And so um, margostarbuck.com, and my name is weird, M-A-R-G-O-T, but margostarbuck.com slash swipe is where you can find that downloadable retreat. And the last thing I want to make sure you know is that we happen to have a group of um, actually many different ages, but single Christian women who are doing online dating. We have a private Facebook group. And when I started it, I did not know what would, what would come of this. Y'all, it is a beautiful, supportive, caring group. And every day I'm kind of delighted at seeing, you know, some of some of the questions that women have, some of the resources they're offering. And when I was starting this group, I swore it would not have the word squad in it. But then you know what? Check this out. Single Christian women online dating. S-C-W-O-D. It is literally the squad. If you search <laughs> on Facebook for S-C-W-O-D, you will find us. And it is okay to be a lurker. It's okay to say nothing and just listen in on the conversations. We would love to have you. Oh, that is amazing, Margo. I'm so glad that you are doing this and just opening up these spaces for us to share these things. It is fun and awkward and exciting and it's just such a roller coaster. And it's just great that there's, that there's awareness around this and a place to, to do that with other Christian women. So thank you so much for joining me today. Michelle, I've loved it. Thank you so much. Thank you. When it comes to my experiences with online dating, I found that sometimes approaching it with a little flexibility makes it a lot more fun. 
You know, I have gone on, met people, and then just kind of stepped away for a couple of months and spent time on myself. And as I learn about myself and other people, my experiences change with time. And no matter where you might be with this experience, I just pray that you'll be able to get some balance with it so it can be something that you enjoy, that it's one part of your life, but really that it's an extension then of also your faith walk and your overall journey. And as we've had this conversation today, if you're feeling stepping into Christmas just a little lonely and a little upset, I just hope that maybe some of the lightness in this conversation would give you some peace, but then also give you some steps that you feel like perhaps you can make changes in the future and that you can really focus this week on what Christmas is all about and the fact that Jesus came, that we would have just so much joy and so much peace in our everyday lives, even as we walk through some of these things. If you'd like to journey alongside other women in this, Agape Moms has a private Facebook group called Beloved Collective. And all you need to do is go to Facebook, find us at Agape Moms. And once you're on the main page there, you'll just click on the groups tab and you can submit a request to join the group. Agape Moms is also on Instagram, again, at Agape Moms. Also, when it comes to further absorbing some of the things that we have talked about here on the podcast, I've created a weekly video devotional to give you the opportunity to dive into what scripture says about a specific topic, but then also have some thoughtful questions to start to explore where you might be with the subject and where you have space to grow. Those videos are released once a week. And if you'd like to receive notifications when a new video is released, you can subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel. I appreciate your reviews and your ratings of this podcast as well. One of the things that is most touching about it is hearing your stories of what God is doing through the things that you're learning here on the podcast. If you'd like to share what God has been doing in your life through the podcast and through Agape Moms, I would love so much if you would leave a review wherever it is that you stream podcasts because it is so helpful for other women to see what it is that is in store for them here as well. I want to thank you for joining me today, for subscribing to the podcast, and for all of the ways that you support Agape Moms. I'm just so humbled to be a part of this community, and it's just so thrilling to see what God is doing in all of our lives together. And I pray that this week, no matter what Christmas is going to look like for you, it may look a little different. You may be sailing into it, or you might be kind of stumbling through. But I just pray that you would know in all of that just how much God loves you right where you're at, wherever you are, whatever you're struggling with, and that he has great things ahead for you. I pray always that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.